It is a problem. <coughs> I can only see myself. Can you see me? We can see you, Chair. Yes, we can see you, Chair. Oh, but I can't see anybody. Just I can only see myself. No, we yeah. can see you. You look very well. That opens to all the bandage you can think about. <laughs> no, thank you very much. Can we proceed? Sia, can you flash the report so that we can quickly adopt it before we move to the NDPP and their team? Thank you very much. Um, the report was circulated uh, yesterday and will be taken as read. It's the report of the Portfolio Committee on Justice and Correctional Services on the removal from office of Ms. J.F. Van Skalvig, Chief Magistrate and Captain Park, in terms of Section 13, Subsection 4 of the Magistrate Act of 1993, dated 1st June. 2022. Is there a mover for that? Recording stopped. Is there a mover for the adoption of the report? Recording in progress. No move, moves. Any second? Any seconders, uh, members? Uh, I second the report, Chair. seconds. Any objections? No objection. The report is agreed to. The report will be sent to the programming committee for the debate in the House and, and for the decision to be taken by the House. Thank you very much, members. We will now welcome the NDPP and the delegation of the National Prosecuting Authority on progress uh, on the TRC cases. The members will remember that in our last introduction in November with the NDPP and, and her team, we agreed that uh, we will meet quarterly 
to receive report on the progress that has been made on the TRC cases. Uh, welcome, NDPP, uh, and to members of your team. Uh, over to you. Uh, thank you, Chair. Um, good morning, Honourable Chair and Honourable Members. Um, I'm joined here today by um, Advocate de Kock, um, the Deputy National Director, um, Head of the National Prosecuting Service, um, under which our TRC component resides, um, and also Advocate Anton Duplessis, our Head of Strategy Operations and Compliance, and members of their teams. Um, Chair, um, this is a really important engagement um, and with, with the Portfolio Committee. Um, it, is, it, is, it is an absolute travesty of justice that, that victims of these atrocities committed during the apartheid era um, are still waiting for justice, um, either in the form of, of prosecutions, uh, or in the form of, of inquests that are reopened so that they can understand um, what happened to their loved ones. Um, so for us as, as lawyers, for the people that we are, and, and given that our we take a very victim-responsive approach in our strategy, um, it's really important that the, the victims um, that have survived, the survivors, the families, um, receive some level of justice for these atrocities. Um, the lack of accountability for these crimes, um, it continues to undermine the rule of law in, in South Africa. And so, um, you know, we, we're certainly not going to go into the, into the reasons why these, uh, these delays, why the victims of these crimes do, have not received justice, the majority of them. Um, we know there's been, um, you know, public information around this regarding the, the, the lack of action on the part of, of um, politicians. Um, the NPA was, was in fact hampered from doing its work uh, in many ways. Um, and so um, notwithstanding all of that, uh, we realized that, well, I shouldn't say notwithstanding, I should say that because of all of that, we realized that we need to act with a real sense of urgency in terms of trying to deliver justice to as many uh, victims and survivors and families um, that we can. Um, we need to learn from these lessons of the past that I've just mentioned and ensure that the NPA works independently um, and ensures its credibility, thereby ensures its cre credibility as we move forward. Um, Time is not on our side, honorable chair, honorable members. We all know that, um, you know, uh, families are dying, uh, um, potential accused are dying, um, witnesses are dying, and um, families are, are, are dying not knowing what happened to their loved ones. So for all, for all of these reasons, we've had accused persons, even accused persons dying um, in, in one or two of our matters. So to act with an, with an absolute sense of urgency is hugely important. And so, you know, and, but this is, not, this is not just something that the NPA does. We work very, very closely with the DPCI because in as much as the, the NPA is, is often called upon to account for this and we need to, um, it needs to be remembered that the NPA does not have an investigative capacity to investigate these matters. 
And therefore, we've had to work very, very closely, in particular with our colleagues in the SAPS, in the DPCI, in order to ensure that we are able to deal with these matters with the sense of urgency that I just mentioned. Um, just some of the, the, the highlights um, since in the past six months, Chair, um, we have established in the NPA a dedicated TRC component under the DNDPP um, advocate um, Rodney de Kock. Um, yes, I see the, the, the presentations now being flighted. If we can go to slide three, please. So we are, we are, um, we have established a dedicated capacity. Um, you will recall, Chair, that this the TRC matters were being dealt with in what was regarded as the Priority Crimes Litigation Unit or the PCLU in the NPA for a number of years. Now, the PCLU, uh, this was not the, the only, um, this was not, they had a number of other issues that they needed to deal with in addition to these matters. And so, um, including international crimes, including terror crimes relating to terrorism, and including the TRC matters. And there was a component, a very, very small component of around seven staff members in, the, in this particular component. Um, and I should actually say to, to, this, honorable, to this honorable committee that um, the PCLU, as it was known, is, is non-existent in the NPA at the moment because most of the colleagues have either resigned um, or, or been sent back to the divisions. So there's a, there's a, there's a new component um, in the NPS and this particular, and we've also created a, this dedicated TRC component um, in the NPS. Um, we've appointed additional dedicated capacity and when I say dedicated chair, we mean that the prosecutors that are dealing with these matters deal with nothing else but these TRC matters. Um, in addition, the DPCI has, has um, worked with us and, and they've done the same. Um, and Advocate de Kock will give you some more details when he uh, presents in terms of the numbers that we have but it is also dedication on the part of the D DPCI. And this is critically important because in the past, as I said, we had very few uh, staff members that were dealing with a number of other issues in addition to the TRC matters. And this, it's, it's not possible. If we want to act urgently in these matters, we needed a dedicated capacity. Um, so this is what we are, what we are doing. And um, we have a, a full-time uh, coordinator at the national office who is working very, very closely with the little teams that we have in the regions. Um, the numbers, as Advocate Cock will, will set out, depends on, on, on the workload in the particular division, and we have based our, our numbers um, on that. And the DPCI has also done, done the same. Next slide, please. Chair, um, I've talked about, about the capacity that we've developed, and, and I'm really pleased to say that, that our efforts are paying off. Um, we've had um, a substantial improvement over the last seven months, um, which has resulted, as you will note, in the reopening of 38 new investigations into deaths of detainees. Um, you will recall, Chair, that, that in, in the recent times, these cases were 
there were families of, of detainees who had died, uh, who had means, who were able to, um, you know, get lawyers appointed and, and try to push these cases. But what we've done is we've report, reopened. We are looking at all of these matters. And so even in cases where families cannot afford this, we are now looking at all the debts and detentions. And as you can see, we've reopened 38 new investigations in that regard. Um, there are currently 97 matters under investigations, um, and there are more matters that we have identified that, that will be reopened. Um, you may have noted um, in, the, in the media, and the family has been advised as well, it was only this week, um, after... Uh, we, after the national director was approached by our the DPP in the Western Cape, Advocate Nicolette Bell, who's been working very, very closely with the families of, of the late Mr. Imam, um, Imam Haroon, um, that upon the recommendation of the DPP in the Western Cape, um, I recommended to the minister that we reopen this inquest. And the minister has done that and even appointed a judge in the Western Cape to deal with this matter. And the families have been informed of this development. Um, Chair, the missing persons task team that was established many years ago in the NPS uh, continues to do excellent work um, in terms of, of uh, locating and assuming the remains of missing persons. And so far, 167 persons have been identified and returned and the remains returned to the affected families. Um, Chair, um, this, this matter, as I said, is, um, you know, we, we, you know, one might say that we're not moving as fast as we, as, as we should be, but Chair, rest assured, we are in the NPA together with the DPCI doing everything possible to ensure that all of these matters get the attention. The numbers speak for themselves and certainly hopefully, and hopefully when we, when we report the next time, you will see um, more developments in this regard in terms of, of matters being investigated and hopefully being finalized. Uh, Chair, I'm going to hand over to Advocate Rodney, the COP Deputy National Director, who will take you through some of the detail. Um, thank you, Chair. Thank you, Antipika. Advocate Cook. Good morning, Honourable uh, Chairperson. Good morning, Honourable Members of the of the Committee. I trust that I can be heard. I can't see myself, uh, but I trust that I'm visible and I can be heard, Chairperson. Yes, you can be heard and you're visible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Chairperson, um, just to pick up on the matter of Imam Maroon, uh, the judge president of the Western Cape High Court uh, uh, just recently uh, responded uh, to the to the letter of the minister um, and has appointed uh, Judge Tulari of that division uh, to to uh, hear the inquest in relation to Imam Harun. Uh, of course, uh, the prosecution team in the director of public prosecution's office will now engage with the court in terms of the process uh, to manage uh, the inquest um, under, under uh, the direction of the judge that has been assigned by the JP. 
So uh, as far as the dedicated capacity uh, that the NDPP has spoken about, um, uh, this is the detail currently uh, in all our divisions. Uh, you will see that we have allocated uh, based on the number of matters uh, that are located in each province. And uh, this dedicated capacity is additional capacity uh, that the MPA has appointed uh, to manage uh, the work in, in each uh, uh, part of the country. So uh, KwaZulu-Natal Division has uh, four additional uh, capacity, senior uh, state advocates. So all of these posts are at the level of senior state advocate, which is the, is the highest or the most senior litigation post in the, in the prosecution currently. Of course, we do have deputy directors, uh, but the senior state advocates are the ones who take our most challenging cases to our courts. In the Western Cape, it's three. In Gauteng Local Division, uh, we have three. In the Gauteng Division Pretoria, we have one. We've received a motivation uh, from the Gauteng Division Pretoria for additional three, and we have approved uh, the additional three, and we will try and get uh, those uh, additional prosecutors as soon as possible. Uh, Limpopo Division 1, Northwest Division 1, Eastern Cape Division 1. We've received a request from the DPP of the priest of the Eastern Cape for an additional three, um, and those have also been approved. Uh, we will uh, speedily make sure that we can get additional prosecutors in those, in those, division, in those divisions. Um, and then at the head office, uh, we currently have two uh, colleagues, a uh, coordinator and a deputy director assigned uh, to the TRC work. Uh, we anticipate that we will appoint additional three colleagues uh, at, the, at the national uh, level uh, under head office. Um, so as far as the DPCI is concerned, on the right-hand side of the slide, um, that is the breakdown of, of the DPCI investigators. And the model that we are following is that those investigators and the prosecutors work solely on TRC matters. And so that is the, the difference um, that we've introduced. Whereas before, uh, matters would be assigned to a prosecutor that potentially has many other matters. As far as this group of people are concerned, both the investigators now and the prosecutors uh, are solely working on the TRC matters. And so we know that we're confident that this will speed up uh, the investigations that we will talk about in the next few slides. Um, so at the head office, Gauteng, Mpumalanga, Limpopo, Northwest, DPCI DPC 17, Coastal Region, KwaZulu-Natal 4, Eastern Cape 8, Western Cape 2, Karoo Region, Free State and Northwest 2. Of course, these colleagues are also then supported by the broader SAPS component. So it's not that, they, although they're dedicated, where they need additional assistance, of course, SAPS is there. And similar with the prosecution. Although we, we itemized uh, these colleagues, they are operating within the broader uh, framework of the prosecution. So all the support, uh, advice um, from time to time, and senior colleagues helping on, on matters, uh, that broader support is also available within the uh, respective offices of the DPPs. If we can move to the next slide.
Um, so the key to uh, the, the fast-tracking of the cases was, was an understanding of exactly where the matters are. And a lot of time has been spent o- over the last few months to get a good sense of, of where uh, cases are. Matters were identified from the list for fast-tracking. Uh, and consideration was given to the seriousness of the evidence, the age of the matters, the age of the accused persons of interest, the witnesses, the availability of experts um, and and exhibits uh, and documentary evidence. Um, A lot of work has been done uh, at the head office level to ensure that where the head office can assist the regions uh, with records, Much of the uh, records are archived um, and a lot of engagement has happened to ensure that the regions uh, receive relevant uh, documentation uh, from archives uh, in Pretoria um, so that we can assist the investigators and the prosecutors in the divisions. Um, Then divisions were encouraged to develop action plans uh, within the set timeframes in respect of uh, the prioritization of these matters so that we can ensure a speedy finalization of these cases. Um, and of course, uh, we uh, expect the divisions to give us a critical analysis on a monthly basis um, in terms of progress in respect of all matters. Uh, we receive our reports on the fifth of each month, and it is a compulsory requirement uh, that uh, our divisions uh, submit reports to my office. Uh, where we, through the coordinator and our head office uh, colleagues, uh, where we assess and we uh, then uh, comment in terms of progress. Where we feel progress is not sufficient, we, of course, engage, one, and we also support our division. So it's a collaborative approach, and the strategic direction in terms of how we do the work is set from our national office, um, and we assist the divisions in terms of getting the work done. Uh, there's a dire need to prioritize TRC matters. Um, and then we also have a planned MPA DPCI regional uh, workshop a plan. This is a, a largely going to be a training workshop. We will look at a number of issues in terms of the specifics around uh, the TRC work. Uh, it is unique because the majority of these cases are very old. Um, And so uh, we need to have a kind of a different methodology and different approach in terms of how we do the work. Of course, uh, we will engage with our partners as well in terms of bringing on additional uh, expertise to assist us uh, as far as these cases are concerned. And that workshop is planned uh, on the 13th of June. Uh, We will bring all the prosecutors who have been appointed all the uh, uh, investigators um, together uh, over a period of uh, two or so days, and we will really uh, thrash out um, further uh, approaches and um, understandings in terms of how we're going to fast-track this work. As far as the monitoring and evaluation is concerned, if we can move to the next slide. Um, We have, uh, as as far as the methodology is concerned, we grade uh, the status of each uh, investigation into these three categories. Um, So uh, the first phase of the investigation will be the initial phase, uh, the collection of evidence, um, getting um, inquest records, other other important 
evidentiary information, etc. The second phase relates to additional reports, expert reports. Sometimes we have to reconstruct um, the crime scenes. Um, sometimes we uh, we need additional uh, experts in terms of the uh, pathology uh, reports. Uh, uh, the, the committee must appreciate that uh, some of these uh, reports were done years ago, uh, many, many years ago, um, and, and, and all of this evidence needs to be reviewed again, reviewed uh, the evidence about how exactly uh, um, uh, the, the colleagues died, um, and then the medical information and medical reports. So these are all additional expert reports, expert evidence that we have to then collate um, in preparation uh, for, for, for a hearing, either in court as an inquest or in court as a prosecution. And then the last category relates to category C, um, where we say it's now near uh, a, a decision. Um, and so hopefully in this way, we are better able to understand the progress in each investigation. And so once again, we're confident that we're making good progress. Move to the next slide. So as far as uh, the investigations under, under consideration, uh, the committee will recall that when we attended the committee, I think it was in September last year, um, we uh, were sitting on 59 uh, matters that were under-investigated. Uh, at that stage, we had identified uh, 55 potential um, names only of matters. A lot of work had to be done on that 55 uh, to uh, consider whether uh, they qualified for uh, further investigation. Um, and so what this, what this slide is telling you uh, is the progress in respect of each month uh, since September. Uh, so we move from September, October, November, you will see that it's relatively static. This is when a lot of work was done to understand uh, those matters. And then you will see from January, there was a significant movement. And when the blue bar uh, indicates an increase, those matters are then formally referred uh, for investigation. And then our teams that have been appointed, they receive those matters, and those teams are then assigned to, 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 to do the investigations. So you will see then from January, February, uh, it moved to 95, March 97, and April currently, that was the last month, uh, 97. So we still have 18 matters that are for consideration to be reopened. Those will be additional matters. And then, of course, ongoing work is continuing to identify any other matters uh, that we may not either be aware of or matters that must still be referred uh, to us. And so, again, I emphasize this is in a joint approach, collaborative approach between the prosecution and the DPCI investigators. Um, and these are, of course, regarded as priority um, um, crimes. And that is why we've got our most senior uh, colleagues working on these matters at the moment. So if we move to the next slide, we will do a divisional breakdown uh, of the matters. Uh, firstly, if we look at the pie chart, uh, we will see that uh, as far as category A is concerned, 60% uh, of the matters are in that category. And, and that is also because, as you could see, a large number of matters was, were referred from January of this year. Um, we will, of course, make sure that those matters, the bulk of them within the next quarter, 
should be moving to category B. Um, and hopefully uh, by uh, the, the, the third quarter, uh, a lot of the matters will be in category C. Once they're in category C, they are ripe for decision-making. Uh, so if we use the example of the Imam Maroon matter, that matter uh, started a few months ago last year. And very quickly, we were able to do various things, including get additional expert reports um, and, uh, in the matter. And then uh, to get the DPP of the division in the Western Cape and the, uh, the prosecutors assigned to make a recommendation in respect of the matter. So that was the decision. The decision was a recommendation to the NDPP to approach the minister to reopen the inquest. So our work is designed to understand the evidence, to get the evidence as quickly as possible so that the prosecutors are able to make a decision in the matter. The decision will be either an inquest or the decision will be a decision to prosecute. There may be a decision not to prosecute, and that will be based on an evaluation of the entirety of the evidence that we collected um, if we decide there's a decision not to prosecute. So if we look at the writing column of the, of the slide, uh, that will indicate uh, the progress in respect of the TLC matters as at the end of April 2022, um, as per the, the various divisions of the country. So currently the Eastern Cape have the bulk of, of, of uh, well, not the bulk, uh, they've got a substantial number of matters. Uh, they moved very quickly from a low number. Currently they have uh, 13 matters. 10 of the matters are in category A. Uh, three matters are currently in category B. And I've been informed by the DPP uh, one matter, uh, the Craddock 4 matter that we spoke about on the last occasion is actually now in category C. There are just one or two aspects that needs to be uh, done. And there's been a request uh, uh, for some uh, additional expert uh, uh, opinion in respect of the matter uh, in terms of the evaluation of some of the evidence. And we are working closely uh, with the lawyers uh, that have been appointed. So uh, as far as that matter is concerned, I've been informed by the, uh, by the DPP as soon as they receive uh, the final outstanding opinion and, and, and a few other issues, the DPP will be able to make a decision in respect of the Craddock four matter as well. The Free State, we have two. Uh, Houting Local Division 4, KZN, uh, currently uh, 5 plus 2 plus 12. Uh, 12 matters uh, are ready uh, for decision um, or shortly for decision in, in the KZN. And we've also uh, agreed that we are having a, a, a provincial workshop of KZN that will take place next week uh, as well. It's a two or three day workshop where all the uh, KZN cases will be discussed and we will send our national colleagues uh, to KZN to go and assist them uh, in KZN. Uh, so KZN currently then has a total of 19 uh, matters. Limpopo Division, we currently have four. You will see the progress, the same methodology. Mpumalanga Division 3, Eastern Cape and Tata 7. So just bear in mind that Eastern Cape and Tata and Eastern Cape Division is now under one director of public prosecutions. 
currently that director um, Tata takes responsibility for the entire Eastern Cape. So in effect, the Eastern Cape has 20, uh, 20 matters uh, that are, are, are currently under investigation. Northwest 4, Northern Cape 3, Gauteng uh, uh, Division at 20. Uh, so Gauteng, uh, Gauteng GLD and Gauteng DP, uh, they will combine at 28 matters. So 28 matters are then currently in Gauteng. And of course, the Western Cape has nine, has nine matters. And we see the two. Um, and one of those two would have been the Imamaroon matter. Um, and that one, as you now know, um, is, is moving into the High Court. If we can move uh, to the next slide. Uh, just some of the note, noteworthy matters that the committee is aware of. Uh, these are some of the matters uh, that that we ha that we have dealt with. Uh, the Rodriguez, uh, the Dr. Agnet, the Neil Agnet matter, Ernest Dipali matter. On the next slide, please. The Ernest Dipali matter. We are waiting the judgment uh, from the court. Um, uh, in, in, in relation to the evidence that has been led in that inquest. Uh, the Avaji matter in KZN, uh, we're also awaiting the, the judgment uh, of, the, of the court. Um, the the COSAS 4 matter um, has been placed on the court roll in the South Harting High Court on the 19th of July, uh, 2022. Uh, State versus Kutsia and another. Uh, the trial date was set for the uh, 6th to the 17th of June. Uh, we did understand uh, that there was a, a, a delay uh, because of COVID in relation to this matter, uh, but this matter is on the court roll, uh, ready to proceed. Um, the state versus John Marie, the matter postponed to the 20th of, of June, uh, 22 in the regional court, uh, Pannoni. So just to uh, just to summarize, just to summarize, um, uh, Chairperson and honourable members, uh, you will see that in case it in, um, we have four matters where decisions are imminent: Mpumalanga Division One, Northwest Division Two, uh, Northern Cape One, Houting uh, Division One, Western Cape One. Um, uh, is the spending decision of the minister? So this one has been has been done. This is the matter that we, at the time that the slides were prepared for Parliament, we were still waiting the minister's uh, decision. Uh, the Eastern Cape one, uh, that is the Cradock four matter that I've just uh, reflected upon. Um, so there are twelve matters that are imminent. Uh, sorry, eleven matters that are imminent, um, ready for decisions, uh, subject to the formalities that has to take place within the prosecution when we make our decisions in respect of these matters. Um, and then, of course, we will receive the reports. Sorry, Advocate Dukok. Advocate Dukok? Yes, sir. My challenge is that uh, with respect to the Western Cape one, you specify that is the Imam Haram case and the Kodok 4, and then the others is one, two. We don't know who these cases are. Yes, we, we can give details of those cases to the committee, Chairperson. Uh, if, 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 uh, if, you, if you need the details now, I will ask the colleagues to give the names of, of those matters, uh, or we can give the details in writing to the committee. Uh, it's important. 
Now it's important that uh, the the whole world is is watching, and they with a serious interest in on on the progress of this case that people know who are these four, who are these one, two. At least we must have the names. The names. All right. Uh, we will do that. I'm just going to conclude then, ask the NDPP to proceed, and we will come back uh, to give the names in respect of, of, of those, uh, those matters. Thank you. So that's all from our side, and I hand over back to the, to the NDPP. Thank you. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, thank you, Honourable Members. Yes. Not good to wear earrings with masks, Chair. I got that out. Um, thank you, Chair. Um, so, so, Chair, that's that's um, um, the report of which has more detail. We'll certainly come back to you on those on the names of those cases. We've we've got the full list here. We're just selecting those particular ones. Um, Chair, um, just to reiterate um, that. You know, we, we, we're not where we want to be, but we have certainly come a long way in terms of trying to address these matters. Um, I want to really give the assurance um, to the committee, to the people of this country, to the, to the, to the families of victims that, that this is a, a top priority for the NPA. And, and we certainly hope that we will be able to make significantly more progress on these matters um, as we move forward with it. We are committed to working with uh, the families, with the, with the legal representatives of some of the families um, and with other critical stakeholders. Um, this is not just something that the NPA um, does on its own. We have to work collectively and also with the support of this committee uh, to make sure that we're able to bring justice um, to the families of the victims of atrocities during during the apartheid era. We are acting with an incredible sense of urgency. We know that time is not on our side. We're also thinking, uh, we, well, not just thinking, we're moving towards uh, building a more sustainable capacity um, in the NPA to deal with the TRC and other complex kind, crimes. That's not to say that colleagues that are currently dedicated will be dealing with other crimes, but we've realized that at the moment we have a number of uh, contract uh, appointments dealing with these matters. We were fortunate to get um, uh, from the DPS DPSA um, a deviation to appoint these colleagues on a three uh, three-year contract uh, because of the fact that these cases take longer. So we're very pleased that we, we've got that. Um, so these colleagues are in for at least three years, but we realize that we need the capacity in the NPA. And so we're going to try to convert these to a permanent capacity because we know that even when, um, you know, um, when these matters are concluded, uh, they, there is, with the amount of work that the NPA has in other areas, other complex crimes, there will always be a need for prosecutors to be dealing with those matters. So we're looking to convert the, the current contract capacity into a permanent capacity, as Advocate de Kock mentioned, tailored training to deal with these matters um, and to ensure that that working with, with meaningful partnerships of a whole range of stakeholders, in particular with the families um, that we can bring 
justice to to the families and victims of these uh, apartheid era crimes. Thank you very much, Chair. Those are the that's the presentation. I'll come back to you perhaps after the questions with with the names of those matters as well. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much, NDPP. Uh, Thank you for, and to Advocate Dikok. Uh, members, that is the presentation. I have the hand of uh, Advocate Glenis Breitenbach, followed by uh, Honorable Hendricks, uh, Honorable Yako, Honorable Ngola, Honorable Newwood, Johan, in that order. Honorable Glenis Breitenbach. Uh, thank you, um, Honorable Chairperson, and uh, good morning to everybody. Um, and thank you for the, the update. Uh, of course, the update is encouraging, and, and it's clear that uh, finally um, serious attention is being, and appears to be, be being paid to, to these matters. It, of course, begs the question, uh, of what has happened in the preceding sort of 25 years and why in the entire history of the PCLU uh, this progress wasn't made before uh, and who who was responsible for that lack of progress and uh, what has been done uh, what what are the consequences uh, for that lack of progress so I'd, I'd like to know that uh, who was who in charge of that unit and why why did it not uh, make any progress and, and what were the consequences for not for that progress not being made? Um, it demonstrates a serious lack of, of accountability. Uh, and I think that um, and I think that uh, the, the committee is entitled to know um, you know what what went on or, or the lack of what went on. Why why is that? Um, the national director says that we're not going to go into the reasons for this uh, for the for the delays. Well, in fact, um, that is precisely what this committee is is here to do to determine what the re reasons for the delays were, and to ensure that they don't reoccur. So, uh, uh, please do delve into the reasons for the delays. Uh, then um, I want to just concentrate on one or two specific matters. There are so many, and I'm sure my colleagues will, will deal with other individual matters, but uh, particularly the, the, the Craddock 4 matter. Uh, we, we know that um, Mr. Laconia Colata went to court to get a, an order to compel uh, in July uh, 2021. It's now almost a year later. And um, there's not a lot of discernible progress in that matter. Uh, there's still, you know, nothing in court. Uh, it appears to be some progress made with regards to negotiations, but um, nothing, nothing tangible, you know, that we can see on a court roll. Uh, the deadline that was given in writing by the NPA was missed. Uh, we were then told that the deadline was just a, uh, a show of good faith, uh, which wasn't met. And uh, and now, you know, where are we with the matter? When can we look forward to what is a what is a concrete timeline that we can look forward to some progress in this matter? And and while you're dealing with that, I'd like to know whether uh, the family of, of the Crater Four, or certainly Mr. Kalata as an interested party, is kept up to date. Uh, is there 
communication with him? Is there communication with the families of the Cradock Four? Do they know what's going on? Are they are they consulted? Are they treated as part of the process? And if not, because um, my my information is that they're not, um, then you know why not? It seems to be deeply disrespectful to not uh, include them in information. Uh, and I'm not referring to talking to their lawyers. I'm talking about referring to the families themselves. Um, a similar question is with regards to um, the matter of Imam Haran. Uh, the, the Minister of Justice announced that he was in a public announcement that he was going to approach the JP to appoint a judge uh, to to deal with this matter. And that's where the, the family of Imam Haran heard about it. Now, I mean, why, why on earth would they not be informed? Why would they not be consulted? Why are they not treated with more respect? Um, and if that's not your mistake, well, then please say so, then the Minister of Justice must explain it. But I would expect in these circumstances and after such a long, unforgivable delay, that families would be treated with much greater, much greater respect. Um, so uh, th those are my initial questions, and I'm sure my, my colleagues will deal with the others. But I find it deeply disturbing that the, the family, that the, the lack of progress lack of tangible progress and uh, and the fact that the families are not really made part of this process, I find that uh, quite disturbing. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Thank you very much, Honorable uh, Mr. Breitenbach, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Honorable Chair, and thank you very much uh, for this opportunity which is very close uh, to the hearts of the Muslim community and the Pan-African Congress. Aldermaz raised this matter six times over the past three years and the last time in September. And then we got a detailed reply to our parliamentary question. And uh, I'm pleased to say that the National Director of Public Prosecution has delivered on her promises. And we would like to thank her very much uh, for the progress that has been made uh, so far. Uh, 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 Honorable Chair, uh, I'm very disturbed that uh, decisions are taken to prosecute or not to prosecute. Just imagine how those families must feel if at the end of this whole process, after waiting 25 years or more, that they are now told, sorry, we are not prosecuting. So there has to be some exit strategy uh, if that happens. I personally feel that even if uh, the evidence is weak, that uh, you know every family must see that the perpetrators have their day in court, and it's up to the courts to decide. Uh, but just for just not to continue, I think is is very very sad. We're very pleased that there is now for the first time a dedicated team. I think thirty three. Uh, members uh, full-time dealing with TRC uh, cases. And uh, that is uh, very important because uh, after a revolution, then uh, those uh, 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 who perpetrated the crimes are dealt with severely. This has been postponed. And, um, uh, 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 and now that there's a dedicated team, uh, you know, it's the first step, but the second step, and maybe uh, is that they need to be a dedicated SAPS team, double the amount of 33. 
if there's not a dedicated SAPS team, then nothing is going to happen. We know that when there are high-profile cases, the Minister of Police launches his 24-hour or 48-team uh, to find the perpetrators. That is what needs to be done now. I would imagine them that the Minister of Police uh, would put in place uh, 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 at least uh, six or seven such teams if there are six or seven uh, cases uh, that is at the, at the final stages. We also raised the, the issue of Chief Albert Tully. Uh, we were promised the names uh, later in the meeting, and, and sure, you are right, the whole world is watching. The Latuli family is also watching. They want to hear that their matter is at either stage one, two, three, or four, or what is happening. It cannot be that the leader of the PAC, uh, Imam Harun, the leader of the ANC, uh, that uh, uh, we are treating these uh, matters not very seriously. I'm glad that the Honourable Member raised the issue of Craddock 4. I sat uh, with the Member of Parliament coming from that area. It is quite a, a serious issue and it's a betrayal to the people, not of Craddock, but the whole of, of, of South Africa. Uh, the Honourable Member also spoke about the poor communication, maybe the uh, a national public prosecutor must speak to the government department of communications to assist them with communications because uh, the communications, uh, our parliamentary constituency office, we've had a lot of complaints uh, that there's very poor communication, very poor collaboration, families are not kept informed. And no matter what the national director of public prosecution is going to say uh, in response to Honorable Brayton Bach's comment, uh, the Harun family only heard about this uh, uh, in the media. And the first person they phoned was me and said, you know, what's happening? I said, no, look, it's, uh, you know, uh, uh, it's very strange uh, that the Western Cape team uh, has let the country down and not uh, informed the families that there is some progress. Just imagine the relief uh, that it would have brought to them, uh, which was now denied. Yes, I understand that um, uh, inquests are very important and we are now very happy that uh, the, uh, a, a judge of the High Court will now be conducting the inquest. Uh, we also heard in the report that a lot of bodies have been found. I'm not sure whether inquests have been held on those bodies and whether that, that is also on the list uh, to find the perpetrators. We need to get that answer. And then there are uh, people uh, that still still alive, uh, uh, not in graves, but in jails, people from the PAC, the ANC in Qatar. We need to find out because that is all part of uh, the so-called TRC cases. People have, you know, instead of putting them in graves, they were put in jails and hidden in jails and maybe half killed and uh, are languishing in jails. So... Um, like you say, uh, Chair, the whole world is waiting. Um, I don't know whether the delay, the Honorable Beethoven also wanted to know why the delay. I'm not sure if the delay is because the NDPP and government is scared of every forum. They need to tell us whether they are. But we need to, we need to uh, bring these matters to a head. And uh, lastly, President Ramaphosa spoke about the social compact that communities and corporate world and the public need to work together. Now is the time for the corporate world whose hands are not clean 
their hands are the dirtiest uh, in this whole process. They need to provide funding uh, uh, so that more resources can be thrown to bring these matters uh, to a head. Our top law firms must at least make available five of their staff full-time at a very senior level and, and give as much resources as possible. That's the social compact that I and this two President Ramaphosa raised. And I hope, Honorable Chair, uh, thank you very much for your leadership in this matter. You've been very strong that we need to bring, to, bring it to the head, and I'm sure that you've been working behind the scenes, and that's why we have seen that the National Director of Public Prosecutions has delivered, and thank you, Advocate Koch. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Honorable Hendricks. Uh, Honorable Blittenbach, can you lower your hand? Yes. Honorable Yako, thank you very much. Thank you very much, Chairperson. Um, I only have two points. Um, I believe I've been partly covered by my colleagues. Um, I just wanted to know, um, especially to advocate Decock, as far as what is the reasoning behind um, having a certain amount of prosecutors per province um, as opposed to the amount of cases per province? Because I see that there's some low numbers in some provinces. However, the cases that they're dealing with, they are very high. Um, so can they explain what the logic is uh, behind that? It doesn't make sense to me personally. Um, and uh, secondly, to advocate for Toy, I think my colleagues have uh, expatiated enough on, on, on why there's been a delay, um, because these are very serious crimes, serious cases that are being handled. Um, and has there been any political interference that has hampered the NPA from doing its job in prosecuting um, the crimes of apartheid. And if she can be as honest as possible, because this is one platform that we, we can protect you and we can um, protect the people of this country who've been victimized by apartheid crimes. Thank you very much, Chair. Thank you, Honorable Yako. Honorable Mola. Thank you very much, uh, Chairperson. Thank you very much. You can proceed. Uh, Chair, let me equally echo the sentiments of my fellow colleagues, particularly in uh, <clears throat> affirming that indeed by the looks of the presentation, there seems that uh, there is a progress indeed that has been made. But I think as uh, both more, uh, Honorable Yako and, and Honorable Breitenbach are saying, that uh, we take the work of the prosecuting authority very serious. And uh, in particular in a uh, society where crime is rising on a daily basis. Now, to say there has been an hampering of the functioning of the prosecuting authority is a very serious statement, which I think uh, the NTPP can, can help us uh, unpack that. But equally, in the report, there is what uh, they call uh, 
cases that were reopened. You can see progress from uh, September 2021 to April 2022. Now, if these cases are reopened, it means that at some point they were closed. Is there a link between that closure of those matters and this hampering the NTPP uh, uh, is, is, is talking about? The second issue which I wish to raise is that, uh, yes, indeed, because these are crimes against humanity that were committed more than 28 years back. So indeed, nature will dictate that some of the accused or some of the witnesses or some of any person who may be of help to some of these matters may have been uh, no longer with us now in that they are deceased. But we think particularly that uh, this process does not only uh, revolves around arresting and then doing those things. These families need solace. These families need closure. So when they know what happened to their family member, that indeed will bring comfort and closure to them. So even at the time when those who may have been involved in the killing of our own people, uh, uh, the, even if they are now deceased, but we are doing it for the families, we are doing it for our communities, who all understand that indeed apartheid was a crime against humanity. The, the, the cases say, that have been referred for investigation or whose investigation is underway are reported to be 97. Now, in this 97, what then becomes the strategic turnaround time of the prosecuting authority to ensure that these matters are finalized? Should we give you two, two years? Should we give you six months? Should we give you five years? Because what is important is these matters have been dragging for quite too long. Even the report actually is reaffirming that. They've been dragging for too long. In a, in a, in a normal society, we're not supposed to be discussing uh, these matters 28 years after uh, democracy. Chair, on the issue of the credo form, it's in the matters whose decision is eminent. I, 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 I don't get that one. Because I, which, whose decision is eminent? Is it a court decision? Is it an NPA decision? Is the minister, minister's decision? Which, which, which decision are we talking about? And uh, next to that item that speaks about the credo of four, there is one, then... There is a, there are brackets that are written credo for. I, I don't understand that. Uh, I don't understand what that one represents as it relates to, 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 to the credo for. Maybe twist a little bit, share lastly, uh, the question by Honorable Breitenbach of the communication. Maybe 
not to focus on the on on the Kalata family alone, but a question that I would I would want to rephrase it and say, is there a constant communication with all the families of uh, to which uh, these cases are directed to? Uh, thank you very much, Chair, for now. Uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Mola. Can you know your hand? Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Nivot Chokhan. Thank you very much, Chairperson, and good morning to everyone on the platform. Thank you to the NPA for their presentation, your presentation. Thank you so much. I do not want to repeat what my uh, previous colleagues have said and, and not, not going to repeat that, but um, they do highlight a very important thing that I wanted to say with regards to the crime against humanity. And, and I mean, we repeatedly talk about this, but bringing closure to the pain of the families, I feel is not happening. And, and as my colleagues have said, but what I also wanted to say with regards to the training is that Mr. De Cook mentioned training. I wanted to know what, what is the training all about? Um, you know, we are hoping that the NPA has been working on these cases and now you're going to have training. So I'm just querying what the training is all about who provides the training. And I feel, you know, training should not be a delay in this, in, in resolving these issue, these issues. So I just wanted to know what the, what the training is necessary for and the rest of the things my colleagues have covered. Thank you, Chair. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. One more, sorry, Chair, one more thing. Um, for the numbers that Mr. De Kock um, is still bringing, those cases, um, I want to know, has the NBA interacted with each of the family members of those cases or not? Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thank you very much, Honorable Newwood Strucher, NTPP. Thank you, Chair. Uh, thank you, Honourable um, Members. I will deal with some questions uh, first, and then my colleagues will come through, and then there might be some that I might sweep up at the end. Um, Chair, um, uh, just in terms of uh, Honourable Breitenbach's questions about uh, what happened in the preceding 25 years, um, I... I, I I think it would be, um, and there was actually a couple of other questions. I think it was Honorable Yako that talked about political interference. It was also, um, I think it's Honorable Nolam that may have mentioned the hampering of the functioning of the NPA. Um, so there are a couple of Honorable members that have mentioned the issue of, of inter possible interference and delay. I should at the outset say, Chair, that there there has been no political interference at all since I have taken office. And, uh, but if one reads the um, affidavit of um, the previous NDPP, Vusi Piccoli, I think it would be very clear to the members uh, what um, 
kind of interference in his view uh, the NPA was uh, subjected to at that time. Um, so I would urge members to please refer to, to his affidavit in that regard. Um, in, in the Rodriguez judgment, the, the judge asked, um, directed in fact that the NDPP look into the issue of possible political interference um, in the in the functioning of the NPA at that time. Um, I've been engaging with the minister in this regard, um, and the minister has, has um, I'm not sure if he's taken a final decision yet. I don't think he has. So I don't really want to speak for the minister because it is his decision, but I'm working with him. But we are looking at, um, he's looking at a, at a high-level panel or some inquiry that will be able to look into the very issue um, that honorable members have raised. Um, and um, hopefully that will maybe address the issue of, of um, understanding exactly what happened as well as possible um, accountability. Um, and uh, just to say that those discussions are really at a very advanced stage um, and hopefully there will be some um, notification in that regard um, fairly soon. Uh, Chair, um, my colleagues will, on, with respect of the Craddock 4 matter, um, you know, we, we're all aware of, of the painful history of this matter and how long it's taken. Um, we're also aware that the NPA has been, uh, there have been orders to compel that have been brought. Um, I, I want to really, you know, I, I want to, I want to try to say to the, I want to say to the committee, and hopefully you will, you will understand that we really mean this is not just words. When we have a case, we will decide to prosecute. There's absolutely no reason for us in the NPA, if there is evidence against anyone, for us not, for the DPP not to take the decision to prosecute. So bringing applications to compel us mean that we have to engage counsel. It costs us to go to court, but we've been engaging with families because we don't want to, we don't want to be working against the families. We are both on the same side. We both want justice for the victims. And I want to really assure this community, uh, this committee and the people of South Africa that if there is sufficient evidence, we will prosecute. There's absolutely no reason why we will delay or dilly-dally with taking a decision if there is sufficient evidence to prosecute. And I mean sufficient evidence because we must take a decision to prosecute when we, in our expert opinions, in the prosecutor's expert opinions, in the DPP's expert opinions, who are all very experienced, we have a, we have a case, we have reasonable prospects of a successful prosecution. To do otherwise could result in us being sued for malicious prosecutions. And so Honorable Hendricks says, I understand very well, Honorable Hendricks, the need for families to really understand and to get closure. But for us to bring a prosecution where we have weak evidence, simply on the basis that the families need to know, is not the way to go. We could open ourselves up to, to, to civil um, uh, damages claims, malicious prosecution claims, which could cost this, the, the, the government, the NPA, a lot of money. But what we do do in many of those instances is we've been asking the minister, as we did in the Imam Haroon matter, to hold a formal inquest. That means it's not one that's held in a magistrate or a judge's chambers. 
It is one that is open to the public. It's one where, where oral evidence is led in a court of law where witnesses can be cross-examined. And at the end of the day, the magistrate or judge makes a finding. So that in itself is a very important process for, for families to, to get a level of closure where there isn't sufficient evidence for, for the DPP to take a decision to prosecute. Um, Chair, in, with regard to, uh, to the, in particular, the Craddock 4 matter, um, investigations at a very advanced stage, my understanding is that um, we hope to, within, within a month to six weeks, hopefully it will not be longer than that, uh, the DPP will make a decision in this matter. Um, Chair, with regard to, to questions around capacity, um, and before I move on to, no, I, I let, let me go on to capacity. Um, uh, you know, SAPs um, are certainly trying to assist with this, and, you know, we can only urge them to assist with capacity. We know that the DPCI is, is seriously constrained given the work that they have to do. So many of the members that they've appointed now have been newly recruited and you know recruitment does take a long time um so but maybe it might be an idea for the next time that we report for the uh, committee to consider inviting the the dpci to to report with us um i want to with regard to communications it is it we are making a huge effort to communicate with the families directly um it, it, would, it, it would be of concern where there are a number of families that are writing saying that they are still not being, they don't have enough information. But certainly from our side, we are going to improve on this. Um, it, is, it is critical that the families are updated in terms of progress um, with regard to these matters. I do want to say that with regard to the issue of, of Imam Haroon, um, this morning, when I knew that we were going to mention this matter in Parliament, I called my colleague at the Petukok and I said, please, can you confirm that the family has been informed? We called um, the DPP, Nicolette Bell, her office, and we got the confirmation that we had informed the family. But the minister makes a decision, and regrettably, there was a public statement issued from the minister's office before um before actually in, informing the, the family. We are going to make sure that in future, the minute we get written communication from the minister, we will communicate immediately. It's just, I was concerned this morning that I would say something in this plat public platform and the families would hear it on this platform, which for me was not acceptable. So we want to apologize for that. Um, it, it should not happen. And we will certainly make sure that that the communications, not in respect of just this family, but all communications are significantly improved uh, in terms of keeping uh, the uh, public informed. I do want to emphasize we are not afraid of AfriForum. Uh, we do our work not because AfriForum or any other um, group uh, puts any pressure on us. We do our work because we know it is what we need to do. And rest assured, we will do our jobs. We will do it properly when we have the evidence. We will prosecute. Um, there may be other groups that need to find relevance and, and speak more to the media about certain things. We don't do that. We just do our work 
and we will keep families informed more so that they're aware of what, what is going on. Uh, Chair, with regard to um, the, the issue of training, uh, my colleagues will deal with it in, to the extent that it needs to be. But just to, to, to assure Honorable Nivo Drachen, uh, this is not really prosecutors who don't know, um, you know what to do and we're starting. And whilst this is happening, nothing's going on. Rest assured, as Advocate Cox said, we have really experienced prosecutors um, that know how to uh, deal with these matters, but dealing with these particular um, crimes, these atrocities committed in the apartheid era requires a slightly different approach because these are very old matters and we need to go into the archives, the investigation techniques. We also involve the, the investigators. It is slightly different. So we try to give them that kind of you know, assistance and support so that they can move quicker with the cases. So it's not certainly not not starting with with training from scratch, and and it certainly will not delay delay the matters. Um, thank you, Chair. I'm going to ask Advocate Cock to take some of the questions, and then I'll come back and if there's anything further outstanding. Advocate Cock. Thank you, Honorable Chair. Uh, Chair, I, I would just like to start off by emphasizing that we've also requested all the uh, uh, provincial directors of public prosecutions to, to uh, view uh, and participate uh, in this hearing today. So our colleagues are hearing firsthand um, some of the concerns that have been raised. Um, and of course, the issue of communication with the families and the victims are very critical to the way in which the NPA operates in terms of our own standards and our own norms. Uh, there are issues that I've received some comments from DPPs uh, where some family members have lawyers uh, that, that they need to communicate through the lawyers, and that is just in terms of the protocols. But of course, uh, it is something that we will encourage uh, our colleagues to deal with directly with those lawyers, because our view remains that we are the lawyers for the people, for the victims, and we need and the victims need to hear from us firsthand. So if we can get that um, approach uh, going forward, we in the MBA give our commitment uh, that that is really the approach that we take. The other point that I wish to emphasize is that uh, we meet with the directors on a monthly basis um, in our various operational uh, meetings and our national operation meeting in particular, where a number of urgent priorities of the NPA are discussed. The TRC matters is a standing item on that agenda um, in which we delve in quite detail in terms of the issues around progress in relation to all of these cases. So besides all the mechanisms that we have put in place, the accountability uh, rests directly on the shoulders of each director of public prosecutions, and of course on the shoulders of us as the operational uh, entities within the prosecuting authority. And from, from the national point of view, we hold our uh, prosecutors and our DPPs uh, accountable uh, for the progress. So 
going forward, this is the undertaking that we make, that we will monitor, we will evaluate the progress, and we will report back directly uh, to all the affected uh, families and the victims uh, in relation to all of, of, of the relevant cases. There was a question about the allocation of resources per province. Um, this allocation happens based on the number of cases uh, in, in, the, in the division. And as we indicated in the slides, we allocated more cases as we reopened more matters. And that is why I said in the Eastern Cape, we are giving additional uh, three or four uh, prosecutors. And then in Gauteng, I think it was the other area, we're also giving additional. So it's just based on the numbers and the volumes uh, that they, they have to deal with. So that is why in some instances we have one, because currently we only have two. But let's say we allocate 10 cases to a division that at the moment only has two, immediately we will look to beef up the resources that are given to that particular division. So, uh, so that is the approach as far as the resources are concerned. Um, on the issue of uh, uh, the training, just to expand on what the NDPP is saying, so there's a number of, of, of additional issues that we will look at, for example, uh, certain strategies that must be followed in the investigation of these matters. And remember, when we get to courts, uh, the normal rules uh, apply in terms of litigation, um, and the procedures that need to be followed in our course. And so these are, are, are the issues that falls broadly under training um, that, we, that we will look at, but it's really to understand what strategies will we follow in terms of how we investigate, how we prosecute, what are the particular issues uh, that may impact upon our investigations. We've heard about many of these records have been destructed. We need to reconstruct records it's, it's a difficult task. We need to find records. And so we share best practices. So this workshop is going to really um, take it to enhance uh, the work that's currently happening and to share a lot of the best practices uh, that we have learned already from some of the matters that we are bringing to the courts. Uh, Chairperson, from our side, the final issue relates to the, to the names that you asked uh, me about. So I do have the names that have been given to me in relation to that particular slide uh, where we had indicated these matters are up for, uh, shortly will be up for decision-making. And I want to emphasize that that is the context of the names because all the matters are getting priority attention. But we try to say in the slide, uh, and that was the slide that says matters where decisions are imminent. Um, but the names are not to, to be confused with that it's only these names that are receiving uh, attention. All the matters are receiving priority attention. These are the ones that hopefully within a short period of time, uh, we will then communicate. And now we, we understand we communicate immediately with the victims and the families uh, before we communicate broadly in the media. And we'll try to find that balance because sometimes things get into the media before we get an opportunity to communicate uh, with the victims and with the families. So uh, in KZN, there were four matters, Nontombikasa, um, Kubeka, uh, Mr. Opa Mudondo, Mr. Subu Pewa, Mr. Goodwill Sekakani. Uh, those were the KZN matters, Mpumalanga, uh, Mr. Sweet Sambo, 
Northwest, uh, Mr. Brian Mukulunga, um, and in Northwest again, Mrs. Irene Mutasi. Uh, Northern Cape, Mr. Mutuisi Boy Manti. Uh, North Gauteng, Victoria, Mr. Welcome Kanili. And uh, the Western Cape, uh, the one we have had a pending, it was Mr. Maroon. And in the Eastern Cape, the Craddock Four, uh, Mr. Ford Colata, Mr. Matthew Kaniwe, Mr. Sequelo, Maluli, and Mr. Sparrow Conto. So those are the names that are imminent in relation to those matters. Uh, the communications will happen uh, very shortly. Uh, colleagues, uh, NDPP and members of the committee, Chairperson, uh, that is from, from our side. Thank you. Not sure whether the question that was asked by Honorable Breitenbach was answered as to in the organization now, who is responsible for some of the delays and what consequences have followed? We know some might have left, but those that are still in the organization. Chair, I'm not so sure if, if I misunderstood the, um, the question um, about uh, the delays. My understanding was it was about the delays in the past uh, um, 25 years. To the extent yes. that these matters don't proceed as as quickly as we would like them to. Um, Advocate de Kock has alluded to some of the challenges that we face in these investigations. The main one being that they're very old and um, the records have been destroyed, uh, trying to locate witnesses. Um, so we do have dedicated capacities and we certainly, um, I would certainly uh, you know, sure want to assure the, the the committee that with these dedicated capacities and hopefully with with more capacity, the DPCI we do need investigators. Investigators are critical to moving these cases forward. Um, the DPCI is has as you have the capacity, but we take note of the of the comments by the the, the honourable members about this. Um, we are constantly engaging. Uh, with our our colleagues in the DPCI to try to give more investigators that can that can work. My understanding is that that in the Eastern Cape Division uh, there's going to be an additional three uh, members allocated um, in head office, an additional three, um, and um, I'm not maybe my colleague in Pretoria. We look at an additional four. So, Chair, uh, we are constantly looking at this, but resources, particularly amongst the investigations, uh, um, it's, it's, it's difficult because it's not a question of the DPCI being able to reassign members because they have a lot on the plate, but they are committed to this process and they're certainly trying to give us uh, additional capacity. Um, Chair, I'm, I'm not sure if we've... If we've um, covered all the questions. I, I, I think there was one question by uh, Honorable Nola who asked, um, he said that at some point, um, he says cases are being reopened. I hope I understood the question properly. At some, He said at some point, these cases would have been closed. Um, is there a link between these cases being closed and, and what was happening, um, what was hampering the NPA in the past? Um, 
All I can say, Chair, is that, you know, these, they, these matters were not receiving attention for various reasons. And, you know, whether there was a link between that and, and the hampering, I think hopefully the, the inquiry will, will unpack that. But certainly they were not receiving attention. And so with the, you know, proper, proper dedicated attention. And so with this dedicated capacity, finding these cases and, and reopening them in that sense with this dedicated capacity, um, you know, that, that, you know, that is what we're doing at the moment. Um, in terms of, um, yes, no, I'm just looking at my notes. I think that um, the, all of the questions have been, have been covered, Chair. Um, Maybe as you, there was a, sorry, there was one more question, Chair, about what period are we targeting to, to deal with these matters? Um, we're targeting three years. That is why we, we got the resources in for an extended uh, period contract appointments for three years. Um, and, and we're certainly hoping that we will, have, we will be able to have dealt with a significant number of, of these cases in that period. Um, but of course, there may well be complexities in particular matters, but that, that's our, our targeted period, Chair. Thank you very much. Uh, are there any members who want to ask a second round of questions? I note Honorable Jale. Are there any other members before I close? Honorable Jale. Thank you very much, Chairperson. And also thank you also for the committee and yourself for the support when I needed each. And my question, Chairperson, on this one, I just felt like I needed to ask these few questions as a follow-up from Advocate Batoy. The first one, Chairperson, is about, in fact, it's still on the issues of the delay because uh, when you asked that question, I was having a question of saying within these five years that they have been in the office, uh, the delays that came, in fact, the delays that happened during that period, uh, I was going to be satisfied uh, to get an answer from that one. But you also, she has also given us uh, answers, but she also mentioned the issue of uh, weak, uh, uh, like weak evidence and no evidence in, in her words when she was, was uh, uh, so I wanted to find out from Advocate Batoy, how many are those cases that might have, might be affected by by that issue of weak and and no evidence, in no in not enough evidence, when it comes to for them uh, the issues of delay for for those cases to come forward uh, to uh, to the court, to the prosecution team. But also, chair, another question that I have is that I want to know because I had. Uh, Advocate DeCock says, saying uh, he's going to bring the team. Much as I, we appreciate the progress, Chairperson, 
but we 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 at the moment where we are as a department we we might be seeing that progress we might be a, a, a thanking the department for the efforts that they are doing but to the families that have been waiting for such a long time they see us as why do we have to do that because for them one day passing without them getting justice it's like 100 years so my 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 issue is that how are they going to monitor progress so that we are able to when they come next time we are not only seeing the team but we want to see the tangibles my fear is that uh, where we are sitting now we are sitting with two serious issues in the country the issue of the prosecution of the state capture uh, wrongs and this one now the country is seeing progress on the other one which just came now and there is no progress in those cases that have been there for a long time what are we saying to the country what are our priorities when it comes to the tr trc issues those are the questions that we answer every day to our communities chair so i would like to hear the comment of advocate patoy on that one also on the presentation we are talking about the uh, those cases which are on the list of the category c ones that are awaiting the decision how long does the department take for them to make a decision on these issues maybe uh, 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 if i can understand also uh, the decision that they are talking about maybe mina i'm talking about the decision to take the, the matter to court or maybe there's another decision a uh, 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 person that they are talking about maybe i don't understand but i want to know how long does it take for the case for them to, to make a decision particularly on this issue of the tr the uh, 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 trc cases uh, lastly chairperson uh, i'm not sure i just want to go back to this one also of bringing okay i think i've, I've spoken to that one bringing the team next time when they come i have to, uh, 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 alluded to that one chair thank you thank you very much uh, honorable chairman uh ntpp um thank you chair before you answer just a few issues um one of the issues is one that was raised by foundation for human rights and that they are struggling uh, to have prosecutors deciding to charge people uh, with crimes against humanity and the argument is that apartheid was declared a crime against humanity but there seems to be a resistance to bring that additional charge which will bring an element of international law i think if we can get your comments on that um, and i think we do really appreciate the the report that has been given um but when what, from the reports that we read 
uh, and what you have given us. I think colleagues have, I mean, they have summarized what is the sore point. Um, generally, it's the issue of interacting with the families. Now, the question from me, do you have the list or contact details of all these families? For instance, if you talk about the Cossas 4, if you talk about the Credit 4, if you talk about the Similani case, do you have the exact contact details? And if those families want somebody that they can contact uh, from the NPA, where should they go? Because um, uh, they come to some of us uh, who are public representative. I can guarantee you it's not a, an easy discussion to have with a person whose loved one was, uh, was shot or got missing 40 years ago and up to now there's no closure to that. So if you are saying that no, you are you, you are indeed contacting the families to hear their details. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, um, firstly, on um, um, Honorable Jale mentioned a, a delay of five years, so I'm trying to understand that. Um, I've been in office for three years and a couple of months. Um, and I really want to, to sketch the following. When, when, when I took office in 2019, we were dealing with an NPA which did not have any dedicated capacity, as I explained with a PCLU that had very few members dealing with all of these matters, as well as a whole range of other types of priority matters like terrorism, like international crimes, there was no dedicated capacity. In the DPCI, likewise, there was no dedicated capacity. And so we, in, in, in 2020 of February, the first year, you are trying to understand what your priorities are. You're trying to liaise with stakeholders. We had the meeting with General Libya in February of 2020. Um, where the issues particularly of TRC matters and terrorism matters, because they are dealt with in, I think it's the same uh, part of the DPCI. Um, and, and General Libya made it very clear to us at that stage that he did not have the capacity to assist with investigations and that he was going to embark on a recruitment process to deal, to get the capacity to deal with these matters. And remember, they, DPCI is also under considerable pressure with very few members trying to deal with a, 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 a huge number of cases relating to other crimes as well, state capture, you name it. So the, the investigative capacity, I, would, I, would, I stand to be corrected, but it took a really long time before we got dedicated investigators. And my... If I think, um, I stand to be correct, I think it would have only been sometime in 2021 that the dedicated investigative capacity was created. So if you really think about it, what has happened is that in the past 18 months or so, at most is, is where we've been able to get the investigative capacity, get the dedicated, because there's nothing we can do without investigations. That is the starting point. And these are very difficult investigations. So I'm not even going into 
the complexities because of the age of the of, of these matters, because of records, reconstructing records in some instances. So, you know, if you really look at what has happened, it's 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 in the past just about 18 months, there's a considerable amount of work that has happened. Um, but as I said earlier on, we are not where we want to be. We understand this is no excuse. The families, this is called comfort for the families. I understand that. They don't want to hear about all of these things, especially if they've been waiting for 40 years. But I want to give them the assurance that we are doing everything we can. And, you know, hopefully there will be more families that will feel that they have received justice because of this dedicated um, focus that we are placing on these matters. Because we understand, as many of the honorable members have expressed, the need for families to to get closure, to understand, to receive some level of justice uh, for the atrocities and and for for their suffering. Um, Chair, um, the issue of um, Honorable Jaila's question about how many cases will be affected by the fact that there may be weak evidence or no evidence, we can't give a number to this because it depends on the evidence. It is only at the point when they, when we get to a point where we say, look, there's no further investigations that can be done in these matters. And we don't have sufficient evidence that we, that the DPPs will make that decision. Um, so we can't give, give a number to that. Um, category C, look, we've, we've put down these different categories. Uh, for us, in fact, I've got um, I've got the document here with the monthly checklist. You know, you can't see it, but it's got, you know, it, it's basically a monthly investigations checklist. And it helps us, you know, phase one, phase two, phase three, call it category A, category B, category C, where different things happen in the different phases. So when, when cases move from from phase two to phase three. Phase two has more, for example, and in fact, in phase one, you will see one of the checklists says contact family members. You know, it's it's on this investigation checklist, um, identifying potential accused and uh, confirmation of, of um, you know, whether we've received documents at that early stage. The second phase is actually compiling these documents, obtaining more statements, affidavit, forensic evidence, the third phase is when we, we feel we've actually advanced from that stage to the, the final stage where we could, you know, assess all of this evidence where there isn't much outstanding at that stage and we are in a position to take a decision. So we it's very difficult to put timelines to this. It's really a guide for us, you know. But, you know, if, if I have to put a timeline to it, we'd say it could take anything up to six months in the final phase, but we try to keep the final phase as short as possible. But it all depends on, you know, what's, what are the, and, and sometimes there may be small things outstanding in the final stage, but it's difficult to get them for various reasons. So um, that's the position with regard to the categories. Um uh, the question you raised, Chair, I wanted to deal with it, um, you know, but you've raised as well the issue of, of crimes against humanity and charging potential accused for crimes against humanity. Um, Chair, well, you know, given my experience at the International Criminal Court, these are not cases, these types of crimes are, are not foreign to me in terms of my understanding of it and understanding the need and the importance of charging these international crimes in respect of some of these cases. So we have been working 
very, in fact, at the very early stages, um, you know, um, it, it's to say that there's resistance on the part of the NPA to deal with this is, is factually incorrect. Uh, there's no resistance. There's, I have been very, very open and engaging with families from the early days to say, let's work together and see how we can get a good case that we can take to court and, and charge international crimes. It is, these are complex legal issues that required a, a lot of thought, a lot of engagements. Um, and, but we have been, as a prosecution, certainly ready to engage with these issues. Yes, there have been different, uh, been different legal views and opinions on this in terms of whether we could charge or couldn't charge, and we in particular matters. And it required us to, to, to really consider these matters carefully. I personally got involved in, in a matter where families, uh, the Foundation for Human Rights has really been pushing for uh, prosecution of crimes against humanity. And my final response to them was that I, I am in fact open and I think there will be appropriate cases where we will be able to charge crimes against humanity, but not in that particular case for various reasons, including the fact that the matter was in court for trial. When you do bring new charges, you need to inform the accused persons, and then it will further delay, and we are ready to start with that matter. So for, for various reasons, we decided it's not an appropriate case to take that to charge those charges. But certainly as an NPA, we are looking at those, and we understand the importance of bringing these crimes and once they say, you know, bad facts make bad law. So especially when you're charging for the first time, we really need to make sure that legally we, we, we feel that there isn't and we can, in fact, charge these crimes. But we need to make sure that we, we charge it in the appropriate cases. So, you know, hopefully there will be those cases where we will be able to, to charge crimes against humanity. In terms of, of the... Um, and, 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 and Chair, I want to really say this. This is an open platform. Um, we, we really want to, to work with the families. We want to work together with them. They have also legal support that we want to work with. Um, so, you know, we can't do it separately. We, as I said earlier on, we, we all are working for, towards the same end. We, we're working for the victims who they represent, and, and they are, you know, people that we represent as well. So we want to work together uh, with the families um, of, of the uh, deceased. Um, Chair, with regard to contact details, um, you know, as I said to you, it's actually on this investigation checklist. The DPP's offices have contact details, but as Advocate de Kock explained, some where there's family, where there are lawyers representing the families, they actually work through the lawyers. But ideally, we would like to be able to, and I don't think anything stops us from directly, but we wouldn't want the lawyers to then think we're actually bypassing them and speaking directly to the, to the, to the families. But certainly, this is, this is a, a big deal for us. Um, and, and we're going to hope that, you know, maybe the one, one way of measuring whether we're doing this better will be the next time we come for, for um, Honorable Hendricks to say we're getting less from families to say they don't know what's going on. Uh, but if you do get these, these, please forward it to our offices. We will look into it and we will make sure that um, there are, there are follow-ups where there's been any gaps with communication. Thank you, Chair. Thank you very much. 
raising of the hands from members. Uh, thank you very much to uh, Advocate Adoy uh, and to the team for the progress report. And um, I think we we are we we, we are happy that uh, we, we we have started with this process since we have promised last year that we are going to be having these regular meetings with ourselves uh, to receive progress report. Um, I, I, we do take the, the the suggestion that we have made seriously. I think we will do that. That uh, when the next time you come, uh, you must you, you will also invite the head of uh, of the hogs, and um, because there are particular issues that uh, are of serious concern, which we did not want to ask you about them. For instance, uh, with respect to the Critic Four. And uh, former members of the special branch were appointed to investigate that particular case. And what form of insult can you give to those families than doing that? And to prove that that was not correct, they, they have subsequently changed and appointed other members. And these are the things that come as a final nail to the hearts of the families. So we, 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 uh, we, we think that it, it will be absolutely important that even the, the hawks form part of this, uh, uh, of these meetings. Um, so that when you report, um, um, we, we would want to, in our, in our next report, I think the issue that was raised by honorable members of families, for us, our next report will be focusing on that. We, we are not generally, uh, we don't want to take for granted that because we say there's a checklist, that therefore members, your, your members have contacted those families. Uh, we would want to have a much more detailed report in terms of uh, contact to those members because it is it is of serious concern to us that uh, in the last five days we have received no less than four different family members that are complaining that they have not been contacted. So when you come back in the next four in the next four months. Um, we, we, will, we will also be paying a special focus on that. And then we would want to see uh, a substantive progress. Uh, this is good progress, but we would want to be seeing a substantive progress from what you have reported. Um, because indeed, uh, at some point, uh, if we want to treat this as just a normal course of our work, at some point, there will come a time where it will be too little too late. So it's important that uh, we stick to the preamble of our constitution. Let us not dishonor those who died for our freedom. And we think that uh, the NTPP, ourselves, and the families should work together to ensure that uh, we honor those who fought for freedom. So we will be paying a, special, a particular focus to get detailed reports, which we think that the advocates to God would be doing 
from uh, from, from his uh, uh, DPPs, uh, we would want to get a detailed report as to the process of contacting those families and how far are they? Because even if they're not going to prosecute, the issue is work with them to that decision. Don't make a good decision that you think is good for them. It might be technically correct, but because you have not worked with them to arrive at that particular decision, there might be not be an appreciation of your decision. So thank you very much. Thank you very much, NTPP and to your team. And thank you, members. The meeting is attend. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Honourable Members. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chair.